this church is so stinking cool. Wow. Let's just, uh, let's just pray. I'm going to try and cut the sermon down. That seems to always happen to me. You know, it's like, what in the world? I'm an external processor and 99% of churches in America would be done by now. And I'm just starting. (laughs) Lord Jesus, we love you. We come to you and we thank you. Oh, yeah. Let's just thank you, Jesus, that you are a provider. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given our very breath into our lungs. We just say thank you that you came as a baby in a manger and you showed us how to live this life. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for Christmas season. I thank you, God, that we get to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to see the nations changed for your kingdom. I thank you, God, that you've chosen us to be a bridge, that you've chosen us as a church to learn from other nations, that you've, you've, you've picked us as a church and as a community to just like learn from you and take crazy radical risks. I thank you for every risk that you've asked us to take as a church. And we just say it's not a risk because of your faithfulness, God. So, Lord, be with me. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm thankful for you. Come on. Oh, man, this church is so awesome. How many of you just been loving this incarnational theme that we've been going on as a church? Isn't it so beautiful? I've just been so grateful. I've been grateful because I think really what we're doing is we're, we're getting it back to the simple gospel. You know, like, like sometimes I'm like, man, look, we're, we're making things real complicated here. It's like, <laughs> like just become love and love the world around us. Love God radically well and become like Jesus. And like, there's no equation to become like Jesus, but just to learn to love Jesus more and more and more and more. And then you become like him. And then we just see this whole world flipped upside down. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm excited. Uh, How many of you were here last time I spoke on ministering into the heart of the Lord? All right. Um, That's a lot. Are you sure that's it? I mean, dang, that was like half the room. Uh, Well, I'm going to continue the series. I I felt a while ago that the Lord uh, wanted me to do a three to five part series on ministering to the heart of the Lord. And so for those of you who weren't here, let me give you a a quick overview. We looked at Jeremiah 33, which is a, a prophetic word about the new covenant reality that we live in. And Jeremiah is prophesying of a day that when the righteous branch of David would sit on the throne for all of eternity. And that right, that righteous branch that would sit on the throne is Jesus. And that he would execute justice and mercy in all the land. Amen? And he says, in the day the righteous of David is sitting on the throne. He will multiply the Levites and the Levites job was to be a people set apart to just minister to him. 
And that in the day, that in the day when the righteous branch of Israel is sitting on the throne, speaking of the new covenant reality that we now live in, that he would multiply the Levites as many as the sand on the beach and the stars in the sky. That, that in the new covenant reality that our first role as believers is to be ones who are first set apart to minister, to love, to adore, to cast our affections and all that we are onto him. Because the new covenant reality, we are the temple of God. And so therefore, our very first call as believers is to be set apart unto him, to love him, to worship him, to adore him. Amen? And it says, in those days, this is what I'm going to just like read some bullet points from that verse. When the Levites are multiplied to be the number of sand on the beach and the stars in the sky, that there will be a city that will be a joy, a praise and a glory before all the nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good. The voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing and bring a thank offering to the house of the Lord. That is the reality that we live in. And we talked about Jesus, the the Lord doesn't ask us to minister to him because he needs our ministry. How many of you know God is completely and utterly secure in who he is? He is not stressed out. He is not looking at Instagram or the whole new TikTok thing to to figure out who he is. Like God is completely and radically secure in who he is. And so the reason he invites us to minister to him is because the inheritance of those who minister to him, the Levites, is him. If we minister to him, we get him. And so he asks us to minister to him, not because God has needs, but because it's actually for us. That when we come and we minister to him, it orients us to his kingdom reality. Amen? Okay. I'm going to be really quick because we just got not a whole lot of time. Yes, this is what Paul is getting at in 2 Corinthians 3. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Right? So we come to minister to him because when we minister to him, the veil is removed and he begins to transform us from one degree of glory to another. More can happen in the presence of God ministering to him than thousands of years of striving to attain anything in the kingdom. It is actually when we are looking up into his eyes when he heals the inside of our hearts. And it's actually the thing where we learn to be stewards of the glory of God. And so we're going to, honestly, as I've been just digging into this whole worship thing, uh, I I thought it was only going to be like two or three sermons, but I I honestly think I might be preaching on worship for, for a while now, which I'm excited about. But but before I jump in, I just want to be like really honest with you uh, about what I want to do here is uh, I want to be very honest with you about like corporate worship, 
How many of you have been in church growing up and you've heard worship series before? Yeah, you've heard, see, I, I've heard series on worship, but the first thing most preachers say when they start a sermon series on worship is they get up here and they say, worship is more than a song. And then we never talk about corporate worship, which worship is more than a song. But the truth is, like every church in America spends the first half of their service, like worshiping corporately, yet we never talk about it. There's no training, there's no discipleship in like what it, like why are the singers singing spontaneously? What are they doing? What is happening? Why do they choose those kinds of songs? And then we as the church and as the congregation are just supposed to sing along because that's what we do in every church. And for me, like as I've, you know, I've, I've been a, in full-time ministry for eight years now and the only role that I've ever been in really is like more of a preaching leading role. And so stepping in and helping out with the worship community, it's really been eye-opening because as a preacher, like my role is, is, is really clear. It's clear. I, I, I set myself apart. I receive a word from the Lord and I come and I give it to the church to train and equip the saints, right? Now being a worship leader is different and it's hard and it's challenging because the very nature of worship is it's not for you at all, right? It's for him, it's, and so here we have this really big challenge that I'm supposed to lead you in something that's not for you, it's for him. But then that's really hard to do when you're singing songs, teach you why we're singing these songs. And then no preacher ever really preaches about what to do in corporate worship. And so I'm committed to like, I'm going to be, I think all of life and worship starts as an individual cultivation, right? It, like it all starts in the secret place of our own hearts and our own homes and our own times with God. But I promise, I, I make a, a commitment to you that I want to uh, be very diligent and um, bring you into what we're actually doing here on this stage, but we're actually give an hour, uh, River House, we give an hour of our service to, 45 minutes to an hour. Because I, I have a commitment that like, I want every single person that walks into this church to like feel a part of this family. Like I, I want everyone and so much unity happens in worship, but I believe we as a community, we need to mature in our corporate worship. I don't feel like we're all in the same playing field right now because we all come from different church backgrounds and it's no one's fault, except I don't think the church has taken very seriously the equipping of the bride on what it means to worship through song, what it means to worship together. You know, for decades, worship was to prepare our hearts to receive a word. That is not what we're interested in here. We are interested here to come. Oh, I'm going on a tangent. I'm not allowed to do tangents. But when we gather, when we gather here as a church and as a community, it's to behold him. It's not to prepare our hearts for a sermon. It's to come and say, God, we are set apart for you and you alone, and we want to respond to who you are. Amen? 
Awesome. That has nothing to do with my sermon, but we're going to just get going right now. So we talked about what it means why, that we are called to be Levites, set apart to minister unto him. And, and now, you want to know what's great about the Bible is it tells you how to do it. It's the best thing ever. It's not like you have to search that far. It's just you just open your Bible and read it, and it tells you, you know, how to worship him. Just beautiful. So open your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 16 through 19. Uh, before we, we read that, we're going to talk about thankfulness today. Thanksgiving, amen? That's what, hey, come on. Be, let's, let's just right now, just Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just even before we receive the word, just position your heart as grateful. Thank you that you've given us the word of God. Wow. So here we are. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19, uh, this is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. It's one of my favorite books in the whole Bible because Paul's happy. He's really, really happy writing to the people of Thessalonica because the people of Thessalonica are killing it. Like they are one of the first churches that Paul went to and served in and ministered to. And if you read the book, which is a great book, you should all read it this week after you read John because Jordan asked you to read the book of John. And when you read it, Paul's writing to them and this, this longing that he misses them. And he says things like this in there. He goes, I'm writing to you concerning brotherly affection, but I don't really know why I am because you're doing so good at it. Like, oh man, if Paul wrote a letter to us, I would wish he would say, I'm just going to throw this in there, but you really don't need it because you're crushing it at the whole love thing. Come on. That's, what, that's why we're talking about the incarnation. Amen. And so, uh, and so Paul is writing to these people and he's proud of them because the church at Thessalonica was being persecuted, uh, pretty heavily, but they were suffering well. They were doing a good job. They were, they were grinding it through. And Paul throughout the letter is just encouraging them, exhorting them, just so proud of who they are. And, and in chapter four, he starts speaking to them about the importance in the midst of persecution, in the midst of the difficulties and the trials to remain uh, holy and pure and to not give in to sexual temptation. And he's telling him, them all these things to do. But in chapter 5, he gives, gives them a charge. And this is one of my most favorite scriptures. And I want you to put on your mind, put in the front of your mind that these are a persecuted church. That these are people whose very neighbors are wanting to kill them. Paul left because the per persecution got so hard that he left. And this is what Paul says to them. He's Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. To this persecuted bride who's going through challenges and difficulties, Paul's looking at them and saying, no matter how hard, no matter how good, choose joy. No matter how hard, no matter how good, pray. No matter how hard, 
no matter how good your season is, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. I want you to think about this. One of, one of the number one questions that I have gotten as a pastor is, Pastor, will you pray for me for the will of God for my life concerning my finances, concerning this occupation, concerning who I should date, concerning who I should marry? I just want to know the will of God. How many of you have prayed that before? Right? Just tell me your will. Well, it's right here. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. That's really good. I have no idea why you're not responding. <laughs> like, I just, you want to know the will of God for your life? There it is. That in every season, in pandemics, in the midst of diagnosis, in the midst of, of chaos, in the midst of storms, the will of God for your life isn't that you would go on a 40-day fast to figure out what career move you should make. The will of God for your life is that you would rejoice and that you would be glad and that you would remain in the abiding place and that you would be grateful and thankful. Like that's the will of God for our lives. And I believe it's the will of God for our lives because God's not that concerned about what's going on in our world because God is fully aware that his kingdom is here now. Is this starting to make sense? God is completely secure. He's not anxious when COVID breaks out. Like he, he's not anxious. He's not afraid because he is fully aware that his kingdom is alive and here and active. That all of the resources of heaven live with inside of us. And so Paul is communicating the will of God that we would be a grateful people in every season because gratefulness, thanksgiving is the thing that orients us to the reality of his kingdom. Listen to Psalm 100. This is going to start making more sense for y'all. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with jubilation. Come before him with rejoicing. Know that the Lord himself is good. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. In his courtyards with praise, give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his faithfulness is to all generations. Thankfulness is the gate, is the passcode. I think it's the message translation. Translation says that thanksgiving is the passcode to enter into the very presence of a God. Thanksgiving is powerful and key to ministering into the Lord because it gets our eyes off of ourself and it gets it into the rightful place. 
And as soon as we begin to walk in gratitude in every season, no matter how hard, no matter how good, when we walk in gratitude, we actually are in his presence seeing him, and therefore it changes our perspective on the reality of what's really going on. Is that making sense? He asks us to minister to him with thanksgiving, not because he's some egotistical dude that needs some affirmation. It's for our own benefit. Because when you see him, when you say, thank you, Jesus, and when you enter into gratitude, pure gratitude, like real gratitude, your eyes are off yourself and your current situation and you're looking into the eyes of him and you realize you are the shape of his pasture, that you belong to him. He asked us to walk in radical gratitude because he loves us and he wants you to know that you are his. And if you are his, who can stand against you? What can come your way? if we truly learn that we are the beloved, the sheep of his pasture, how easy would rejoicing be if we're constantly living in this place of gratitude? Because we would know that we are so secure and found in him. I'm trying to think of where to go. The truth is, like we live in a world where complaining in our own needs runs rampant. We live in a world that says, I, 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 me, 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 me. And I believe the best way we can start to get pride and arrogance out of our lives is by being grateful people. Because you can't be arrogant and grateful at the same time. It's the most humbling thing to come and say, thank you. I don't know where I'd be without you. And I literally had this thought. Can, can you think about if like the singular spiritual discipline that we practiced throughout COVID was Thanksgiving? Can you imagine the perspective shift that we would have had? and the love that we would have exuded. And here's the thing, when you step in to thanksgiving and gratitude and your eyes are on him, kingdom possibilities are endless. I was listening to a sermon from Bill a while back, Bill Johnson, and uh, this, he said this and it, it really marked me. He said, you know, we, we live in a, I'm just giving a summary. He said, uh, we live in a charismatic world that everyone comes up to me and asks for the laying, hands, the laying of hands on for the impartation of healing and the impartation of miracles and the impartation of prophecies and all this stuff. And he said, but I wish the one thing that I could impart to everybody is a grateful heart. But I can't because a grateful heart is learned through maturity. And he started talking about maturity 
like stewarding gratefulness and thanksgiving in every season, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, it actually is the thing that opens us up to the realm that all things are possible. Does that make sense? And look, I know life's hard. I promise you, you can ask the close people in my life. Trust me, I know life is hard. And I remember, I'll share this, but I remember I was stuck between a rock and a hard place. How many of you have ever been there? Rock and a hard place where you feel like you've just gotten bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. Anybody say amen? You've been there? Yeah, that's what it means to be human. <laughs> Believe it or not. And I, 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 this over, it's probably the most depressed I've ever felt in my life. And, and I became a victim. How many of you have become a victim before? It's really easy. It's really easy to become a victim. And I became a victim and I was sitting in my office at my last church and I was just like, God, this sucks. I don't like this at all. When am I going to get some good news? Aren't you good? Aren't you faithful? Aren't you like it just, the news just keeps getting bad. I was having a mild temper tantrum. My boss came in and said, what the heck's wrong with you? I said, I'm having a moment with the Lord. Please leave. And I'm in there and I heard the Lord say to me, AJ, tell me you're grateful. He says, tell me, practice Thanksgiving right now. And I said, what should I be thankful for? That's not a good thing to say to God. Don't suggest that to anyone. And he said, well, really gently, he said, if you can't find anything that I'm doing currently in your life. Just thank me for who I am. Thank you for who I say that I am. And it, this certain situation, I, I had this feeling that honestly the bad was just gonna keep happening. And I remember sitting there in that office, and tears came down my face and I just said, thank you that I have a house to sleep in. And I really meant it. Thank you that you're, and then that led me, thank you that you're my provider. Thank you, thank you. And as gratefulness began to come up in me and thankfulness came from my heart, I started to realize that I was going to be okay. And I began to realize that he works all things good for those who love him. But here's the thing. We sometimes have this idea of what that picture is going to look like. But what I saw, it was the craziest thing. I knew that the actual situation was not going to change. But what I saw is that the Lord was developing kingdom principles in me throughout that whole season. I started to realize, oh wait, this is worth it because I'm learning perseverance. Like, oh, oh wait, I'm his. And because I'm his, he's gonna give me joy. 
And you're going to teach me how to rejoice in every season. You're going to teach me that there actually is real possibility to be grateful in everything. How many of you know God says that like, this book is filled with some pretty crazy statements? Like to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Like that is radical. I mean, how many of you think you're doing that right now? Right? No, not a single hand. It's crazy, but he is faithful to his word, and he would never ask us something if it wasn't possible. He has empowered us with the grace of the Holy Spirit on our lives, and all that the reality of this is, is all that does is require choice. That's not supernatural empowerment to practice this. What we need is just to be people who mature in the Lord. Thankfulness is hard because it requires maturity. It requires you to have enough discernment to say, this stinks and I'm still grateful. Does that make sense? Okay. Henry Nowen says this. Oh, this is so good. Gratitude is the most fruitful, fruitful way of deepening your consciousness that you, sorry, Gratitude is the most fruitful way of deepening your consciousness that you are not an accident, but a divine choice. Wow. And so here's the individual takeaway. And then we'll get into some practical things. Every day, start your prayer time with gratitude. Because it's the gateway into his presence. If, if you are struggling getting into the presence of God, the Bible tells you what to do. Practice gratitude. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courtyards with praise. Do not pray. Do not pray without starting without thanksgiving. Because it's really easy to start approaching God from a place of need rather than a place of authority in a place of security. When we come with gratitude, we're now completely secure and we're not approaching him as an insecure little person. We're approaching him as a son and as a daughter. Thanksgiving is contagious. And so do it with people. Practice it with people. I know this is so simple. I know you probably thought on a sermon on ministry to the heart of the Lord, you're like, think I'm going to preach on 40-day fast and how to like float in clouds and sing spontaneous songs. But it's like, it's, it's, you know, right here, how to sing in tongues. I can't teach you how to sing in tongues. But what I know is that the Bible says practice gratitude and everything changes. And sometimes I think we want a lot more revelation and God's just like, let's see if we can get the gratitude thing right. We want to learn to prophesy, yet we don't want to be thankful? The stink is that. I want the gift of healing. God's like, be grateful. It all exists within my realm. I want to learn to prophesy. Be grateful. It all exists within my realm. Let's not be so needy. Who's over being needy? I want to be a son and a daughter walking in authority and in power. 
Oh, that's a good word. Okay, start your day, start your prayer time with thanksgiving. Pray and, and like practice thanksgiving with your spouse, your family. If you want it to change, your, if you want your family to change, start telling each other what you're grateful for because it releases his kingdom reality. And here's, what, here's the thing that I try and do in my life. Uh, I honestly think it's one of the things that's elevated me to being a leader a lot quicker than I thought is when I, in my spirit, get thankful for somebody, I text them. <laughs> oh, wow. That's radical. But what I've found is usually when I'm grateful and the Lord is bringing to my spirit somebody to be grateful for, it's because they need encouragement. Like they need encouragement and they need a word. And so then I just simply text them. And sometimes the Lord will remind me and he'll tell me and that, and he'll bring gratefulness up in me with, for the same person for like 15 days in a row. And I'll text that person 15 days in a row. I am grateful for you in my life. And it releases faith and hope and peace and identity over them because they begin to realize that they are the sheep of his pasture. And so if you get grateful for somebody, don't hold it to yourself. Don't be a hoarder. Just release it. Amen? Okay. All right. You ready for some practical takeaways for corporate worship? I'm going to make these quick. When we gather here as a church, it's not a concert. And I know we know that. But the truth is, there's lights, there's microphones, there's a tall stage, there's electric guitars, there's Chad thumping his bass, there's drummers ripping drum solos, there's subwoofers, and there's a sound person, and it looks really like a concert, right? I mean, and so... Oftentimes, what I think happens is we come here knowing that it's not a concert, but we've been conditioned in this world to treat things like this like it's a concert. And so what happens is we come and we're dependent on the music to lead us to that moment of excitement. And I feel it oftentimes, we as worship leaders will be up here and we'll be like, hey, practice gratitude in the rooms like this. And I know in my head, if I'm being honest with you, I know in my head if I start singing, if we start singing all hail King Jesus, whoop, the room's going to respond because this is what you want. You all like that song. <laughs> is that facts? And I'm, I'm not trying to, look, that was me. I, I, that was me in church before I started leading worship. I would just wait for the cool big bridge that made me feel emotional so that finally I could get into worship. But that's not, this isn't a concert. That's what you do at concerts. You wait for the song you like and you get excited. And sometimes church feels like that. 
Like I seriously know, and, and all we as musicians know that there are certain things you can play that will evoke an emotional response for you. And everyone will leave saying, that was a great worship time. And I'm like, well, there was like 20 minutes before that where we were just trying to sit in Thanksgiving, but no one wanted to do anything. And it's because we are conditioned. And this is me. I'm not speaking down. This was me. I didn't begin to see it until I realized how easy it is to just create moments. Really, honestly, it's easy. It's tempting. It's really tempting because I know you're going to like it. But I, that doesn't make worship powerful. What makes worship powerful is we as a church choosing to worship. And so oftentimes when you see our worship leaders going spontaneous, it's not because we want to do some cool new hip thing. It's not because that's what the new worship movement thing is doing. We're doing that because we are trying to discern what the Lord is doing in the room. We're trying to figure out this dance is, God, do you want us to go to Thanksgiving or praise? And, and sometimes when a worship leader starts going spontaneously, it's their response to what God is doing inside of them. And that's testimony, and that's an opportunity for each and every one of us to engage with what the kingdom of heaven is doing. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm hoping so. It's late. I'm going to wrap this up. Ephesians 5.10 says, seek to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And so as a worship team, our goal and our job is to try and lead you and us ourselves seek to discern what pleases him. That is worship, offering something that pleases him. And so my encouragement for you in times of worship, when you feel our worship leaders start going into spontaneous moments, when you feel, when, when the worship leader invites you in to thanksgiving, but you're not naturally feeling it, I totally know what that's like. Like, I totally get it, and that's how we enter in. And so if you find yourself just waiting, if you find yourself just waiting for that moment, for that job, for that, for that, that big bridge to come, realize, oh, I'm being a consumer. <laughs> and I'm going to step in and be grateful even if I don't feel like it. Amen? All right. Here are the four responses to improvisational and spontaneous worship. First, join in and sing. Lift up your hands. Get on your knees. Express yourself. You don't need to feel emotional to express yourself. Self. He doesn't say, wait till you feel shouts of joy. He just says, shout with joy. He doesn't say, wait for being thrown, da-da-da-da-da, to like, he says, no, give me shouts of joy. So, spontaneous moments, express yourself. Two, if you get lost, just listen to the words and pray them out. Engage, engage, engage. 
Three, pray in the Spirit if you do. Pray in the Spirit, join in. And four, if you ever get stuck in worship, go to gratitude. If you ever get stuck and find yourself waiting, just start going to gratitude. Amen? Okay, I'm excited for us to be a church that walks in radical, radical gratitude. Are you? Are you committed to in this Christmas season, overflowing with gratitude? All right, let's stand up. And I'll have the ministry team come up, but let's just uh, lift our hands to heaven. Just say, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Speak him to thank him out loud. Speak him to thank him. Just out loud. Let's just allow radical gratitude to just be even expressed right now in our church. Let's just, let's just practice this right now. Just whatever you're grateful for. If you need something, be grateful for this church. Be grateful for your family. Be grateful for the finances. Just, just thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank him for his nature. Thank him that he has never left us or forsaken us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that we're not alone. Somebody, some of you really need to release that. You've been, you've been uh, feeling really, really, really lonely. And I feel like you just need to declare that you are not alone. Thank him that he is your comforter in every season. Just keep, keep thanking him. I know this is hard, but just keep engaging. It's the gateway to his presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, Lord God. Thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved us. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved me. Thank you, Jesus, that in every season that you have been faithful to show up. Thank you, God, that you are our comforter. Thank you that you are our provider, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you for heaters in our house. Thank you for air conditionings in our house. Hey! <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you, you call us into relationship. Thank you for the miracle of life.
you that we're your temple, Lord. Thank you that we are your temple and that you promise your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I know this may be weird for, for you, but I just I feel like we need to stay here for another two minutes and then we can we can leave. Just continue. Like for some of you, the Lord is He's showing you himself and you just like even need to praise him now. Thanksgiving leads us into praise and some of you need to lift up your voice and some of you need to dance and clap and some of you just need to keep saying thank you. Thank you that your mercies are new every day. Wow. Thank you that your mercies are new every day. <laughs> Thank you that we can so miss the mark and you still say, I'm right here. <laughs> Thank you for your mercies and your grace that are new and available each and every moment, God. Thank you that you came in a manger. <laughs> Thank you for your humility, Lord. Wow. Thank you. Let's just, just lift up the name of Jesus. Just Jesus. Jesus. This holiday season, it's about you, Jesus. This holiday season is about you, Jesus. It's not about how many presents. It's not about anything else. Jesus, it's all for you. It's all by you. It's all through you, Jesus. It is about you. It is about you, Jesus. Our eyes are on you, Jesus. Our eyes are on you, Jesus. Holy, holy. Oh. 
Oh, just lift up a shout of praise to the Lord. You are good, God. <laughs> wow. Just feel your own countenance change, amen? All righty, well, you just have an amazing, amazing Christmas. And uh, we're going to invite the ministry team up. If you need healing in your body, come on up and receive prayer. Other than that, you are blessed. And let's be the most grateful people that have ever walked.